in Ukraine, COVID, the Biden presidency, and the elections. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. Good afternoon on this, uh, boy, what a delightful Monday it is. God is good. Folks, right now it's 106 on this Monday. It is April 18th, and you're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. This portion of our program is brought to you by the Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. What are you doing right now? They have that nice big outside deck. Enjoy unique rustic setting. Those of the full bar, large dining area. By the way, the great dining area. So when you come in, the bar is to the right. The deck is straight ahead. But they have a nice big dining area. And they can seat and uh, take care of, accommodate large parties. The Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Stop in for lunch today. So, folks, I want to, um, again, I hope everyone had a... Uh, a nice hope everyone had a nice Easter. Certainly better than it was two years ago. Although the the COVID numbers uh, don't look now, but the COVID numbers are certainly starting to um, starting to increase. The numbers are starting to go up. There are people that are um, there are people that are dying of COVID. There are people that are in the hospital. Because of COVID. Um, obviously not as many. But it hasn't gone away. And. I just wonder. How much Rhode Island's COVID case trend was highlighted in the Sunday New York Times. Rising cases on the East Coast have driven much of the country's increase. Cases have been more than doubled since the start of the month. In Rhode Island and Washington, D.C. Thanks a lot, Rhode Island. No, I mean, that's just that's that's just what's what's happening right now. Now, as far as the war, I do want to do an update on the war. And right now, Biden, uh, excuse me, Putin is really threatening. Putin is threatening that he's going to use some kind of a nuclear weapon. Unknown exactly what type or to what extent. The fighting is uh, is obviously not ending right now. <sighs> 60 minutes at a piece. The Biden administration is warning Americans prepare for potential Russian cyber attack. So that doesn't sound positive. Uh, and then this is also interesting yesterday on Face the Nation. Senator Chris Coons of Connecticut. The Biden uh, con- oh, no, uh, excuse me, of, of former, former seat in Delaware has begun floating the deployment of U.S. troops to Ukraine. I want to hear this. He says that Biden will, Putin will only stop when we stop him. Um, the country needs to talk about when it might be willing to send troops to Ukraine. You said if the answer is never, then we are inviting another level of escalation and brutality by Putin. Are you arguing that President Biden Margaret. was wrong when he said he would not send troops to Ukraine? Are you asking him to set a red line? 
Margaret, I think those of us in Congress who have a critical role in setting foreign policy uh, and in advising uh, the president in terms of his decisions as commander in chief uh, need to look clearly uh, at the level of brutality. This is a moment of enormous challenge for all of us. Uh, and I deeply respect President Biden's leadership in pulling together the West in imposing crushing sanctions uh, on Russia and in bringing to this fight countries that had stayed on the sidelines before. I think President Biden's leadership has been steady and constructive, but this is a critical moment. If Vladimir Putin, who has shown us how brutal he can be, is allowed to just continue uh, to massacre civilians, to commit war crimes um, throughout Ukraine uh, without NATO, without the West uh, coming more forcefully to his aid, um, I, great, I, I deeply worry that what's going to happen next is that we will see Ukraine turn into Syria. Mm -hmm. The American people cannot turn away from this tragedy in Ukraine. I think the history of the 21st century turns on how fiercely mm -hmm. we defend freedom in Ukraine and that Putin will only stop when we stop him. You know, that is, um, and I know a lot of people don't even want to entertain something like that. But th think of that. I mean, he is basically saying that we are the only ones. I, I'm not fully there yet, folks. I think, you know, we're learning more. A lot more could be done. A lot more could be done. Um, and, and Biden could have done a lot more early on. This whole business where they thought um, that all these sanctions would, would somehow deter when that, when that clearly was not the case, has not been the case. Um, it, 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 it clearly, we could have done more. I want to hear, um, this is uh, retired Lieutenant General Bren Hodges. What's the U.S. message of wanting to win the war? The aim of all this is to strengthen, strengthen Ukraine's hand at a negotiating table. But we've heard from the Ukrainians, there's no table to sit at right now. Um, are you saying it doesn't look to you like the administration has decided they want Ukraine to win? They just want a stalemate? I would say that I don't hear the administration talking about winning. I'm reluctant to say that the administration doesn't want them to win. But what, what needs to be stated is what, what is our objective, the United States? You know, we're not just uh, observers cheering for Ukraine here. This is about democracy across Europe and stopping an autocracy. And so, uh, and of course the Chinese are watching. So there are implications well beyond Mariupol or even even Kiev. And so if the United States were to say, we, we want to win, that means all Russian forces back to pre-24 February, all Ukrainians who have been deported brought back home immediately. Uh, a long-term commitment to the full restoration of Ukrainian sovereignty, that means Crimea and Donbass. And then finally, breaking the back of Russia's ability to project power outside of Russia, to threaten Georgia, to threaten Moldova, to threaten our Baltic allies. You know, that, then again, uh, the big question is, I mean, the, the, right now the Russian force is under uh, as he had immense pressure to deliver um, for the nation. I think this is interesting, the Senator Coons calls for additional funding uh, for the pandemic, but also on security. 
And for him to, you know, and he's not wrong. What if Ukraine turns into Syria, which is just a complete mess? I want to hear this. This week, you said um, the country needs to talk about when it might be willing to send troops to Ukraine. You said if the answer is never, then we are inviting another level of escalation and brutality by Putin. Are you arguing that President Biden Margaret. was wrong when he said he would not send troops to Ukraine? Are you asking him to set a red line? Margaret, I think those of us in Congress who have a critical role in setting foreign policy uh, and in advising uh, the president in terms of his decisions as commander in chief uh, need to look clearly uh, at the level of brutality. This is a moment of enormous challenge for all of us. uh, And I deeply respect President Biden's leadership in pulling together the West and imposing crushing sanctions uh, on Russia. And in bringing to this fight countries that had stayed on the sidelines before, I think President Biden's leadership has been steady and constructive. But this is a critical moment. If Vladimir Putin, who has shown us how brutal he can be, is allowed to just continue uh, to massacre civilians, to commit war crimes um, throughout Ukraine uh, without NATO, without the West uh, coming more forcefully to his aid, um, I I deeply worry that what's going to happen next is that we will see Ukraine turn into Syria. Mm-hmm. The American people cannot turn away from this tragedy in Ukraine. I think the history of the 21st century turns on how fiercely mm-hmm. we defend freedom in Ukraine and that Putin will only stop when we stop him. I'll close with this, Margaret. This is a weekend when so many families gather to celebrate yes. the very best in the human spirit um, and where we grieve the loss of many due to, co- due to COVID. We should also be prayerful and mindful of those who are fighting for for freedom in Ukraine uh, and how yes. much their heroism and patriotism inspires the rest of us. You know, that is well said, folks. And I like the fact that he would then also just continue to highlight of how they are fighting for freedom. This is the battle. Uh, but the listen, you can't ignore the fact that there's one individual that keeps talking about using nuclear weapons. Um, and that that cannot be tolerated. I thought it was also interesting when, when Sean Penn said, as much as everyone wants to get rid of nuclear weapons, um, the problem is when, when there's someone that has them. And then he's just threatening everyone that he's going to potentially use them on the world. You know, that, that, that needs to be rethought. What, what good is it if everyone gets rid of their nuclear weapons except for except for someone like Putin, who seemingly is not, you know, afraid to use the weapons? That's a major, major problem. I want to go. There was a good piece. And again, folks, good afternoon, 117. I want to go to a good piece on Good Morning America on the latest. Multiple airstrikes hit the city of Lviv, and Russia has given the last defenders of Mariupol that chilling ultimatum, surrender or be eliminated. The city has been under siege for nearly seven weeks, is on the brink of being taken. Foreign correspondent James Long is on the scene in Ukraine. Good morning, James. 
Yeah, good morning, George. I'm in Zaporizhia towards the eastern front, actually at a hospital. We're about 35 miles away from where the Russians are. You can see this hospital is preparing for the worst. Actually, as I speak to you now, we can hear an air raid siren going off. This morning, we've been meeting some of the kids who've been caught up in this war. Doctors pulling the shrapnel out of their bodies. This, as the fight for Mariupol looks to be entering its final moments. This morning, multiple airstrikes rocking the western city of Lviv, killing seven people, a child among the 11 injured. The east bracing for an onslaught as Russia regroups for a renewed ground advance. This is a small group of Ukrainian fighters holed out in Mariupol, dug in at the Azovstal steel plant, a sprawling complex of underground tunnels. Russia delivering its ultimatum, surrender, or be, quote, eliminated. But the Ukrainians rejecting the Russian demands, defiant. They will fight till the end. And as for now, they still are in Mariupol. Civilian casualties in the city, massive. Ukrainian officials put the number in the thousands, but the true toll is unknown. Some have been able to make it to safety. Christina escaped days ago. Like so many others, she's only now been able to reach family to tell them she's safe. She tells us she managed to get her son Michael and their cat out of the city with just a bag between them and the clothes on their back. She says, we've already lost everything. Our whole apartment burned down. All things burned down. We don't have anything. If we cry, nothing will change. She saved her son Michael from this. Shrapnel hit 10-year-old Miroslav in the spine and hip when a Russian shell hit their home. He's had to lie on his side until his wounds heal. I was terrified for him, his mother Irina tells me, but he ducked as the shrapnel went flying. You're very brave, you're like a ninja. Someone has to be held responsible for this, she says. Pieces of shrapnel, bullets, all of it, they say, taken out of children that they're treating at this hospital. And what the doctors and the legal experts here are telling me is that this proves that Russia is not just hitting military installations. I've never seen anything like this in 40 years. So as we've been talking, there's been an air raid siren here, and now all the children have been sent down into the basement. With the Russian offensive turning east, Ukraine's second largest city, Kharkiv, has been pummeled by Russian bombardments. President Zelensky says that in the past few days, 18 civilians have been killed in the attacks. He called the offensive nothing but deliberate terror. Now we're all waiting for this major Russian offensive to start in the east, but one doctor here has told me as far as he's concerned, it's already begun in this region. More and more kids are coming here every day with injuries. George? James, as you reported, it does appear the city of Mariupol is on the brink of falling. What would that mean? But in many ways, this fight has been all about Mariupol. If Russia does manage to take it, that gives them a foothold, which means they can threaten Ukraine with invasion for years to come, George. And James, we heard the Austrian Prime Minister over the weekend who met with Putin last week say Putin now believes he's winning. Is that the view on the ground there? No, uh, no Ukrainian believes that, especially not after Moskva, the cruiser, was taken down in the Black Sea. What Ukrainians do say, though, is that they need help for this next phase of this war. Russia has uh, the ability to move into the east. The, the fight there is going to be easier for them than it was perhaps to take Kiev, and that's why they're asking for so much more help now. Thanks. You know, folks, again, um, the, the world has to step up, and, and it, it's very clear that that the Biden administration has just not, has not handled this the right way. Now, John Hudson, who's a reporter, is reporting U.S. forces in the next several days will begin training select members of the Ukraine armed forces in the use of American-made houses, a defense official told reporters Monday. Uh, forces in Maripol defiant 24 hours after the surrender. The deadline. 
the um, what they have done to that whole district is is just uh, out. It, it, it's really just outrageous what what they have done. And and you know it's interesting. Um, everyone that that really has been talking about it kind of says this. It, it's just hard to believe that this is going on in 2022. But this is the danger of having someone, having someone like Putin, who's in charge. So, Dr. Jar of Brown University was asked, "If you're, what about this fourth booster that people are getting? What about the fourth booster? Should people get the fourth booster?" Really, I think drove both the FDA and CDC to make the decisions. It did. Uh, the data from Israel shows that people over 60, when they got that second booster uh, four months after their first, uh, not only did they have fewer infections, actually reduced mortality by a pretty substantial amount. So my recommendation right now, following the CDC and FDA guidance on this, is if you're over 60, you should be go- should be out there and you should be getting that second booster. 50 to 59, you're eligible. Depends on your risk profile. Worth having a conversation with your physician uh there is a much closer call but for me uh based on the data of 16 above i think it's very reasonable and i would I, this is what i've recommended to my elderly parents and that's what i think people should do now again i um at 122 i recognize that a lot of people are just going to um ignore that that a lot of people are are just going to um com- completely ignore that especially you but i'm telling you you're dealing with at this point um, at this point, for those that choose to not get it or take it serious, I think the window of people that care is, I think it's closing. Um, I, I believe it's closing. There are still people in the hospital with COVID. There, there are still people that are dying of COVID. But the amount of people that are going to, you know, I, I think it's actually a good thing that they're saying that people are just going to have to make their own decisions. And not everyone's going to like that, but I think it's going to, um, that's just the direction we're going. And some people, now this is pretty dramatic. How about the government's greenlighting onshore oil drilling? On federal property. Listen to this. Production will take months, not weeks. And notably, Tom, candidate Biden was not ambiguous at all on this issue years ago, declaring there would be no new drilling on federal land under his watch, period. But it appears that soaring oil prices, caused in part by the war in Ukraine, have changed his stance. Nationwide, the pain at the pump is stinging, especially for Americans traveling long distances this holiday weekend. It's absolutely ridiculous. Gas prices stink. Now, for the first time since President Biden took office, the government is greenlighting onshore oil drilling on federal land. The move would open up 144,000 acres of land to lease sales across nine different states. The course reversal intended to help struggling families comes at a steep political cost after this adamant campaign pledge. By the way, no more drilling on federal lands, period, 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 period. Until experts say the president is granting just one fifth of the land the petroleum industry was seeking. And it could take up to a year to build infrastructure and see results. The short term, this is going to do very little as far as reducing gasoline prices because it's going to take the industry some time 
to drill and produce more oil. Oil prices, which are set on a global market, spiked last month after Russia's invasion of Ukraine. Facing pressure to take action, the White House has already released millions of barrels from strategic reserves and announced plans to allow the sale of cheaper ethanol-blended gasoline during the summer when it's typically banned. Prices have dipped slightly over the past several weeks, but the national average is still $4.09 a gallon, $1.22 higher than the same time last year. $40 used to fill up my tank. Now it does not do so. This latest effort by the government has outraged some environmental groups. A senior official at Friends of the Earth writing in part, President Biden is prioritizing oil executive profits over future generations. A catch-22 for an administration that's fought for renewable energy. I totally agree. And there is another key point here. The government is also increasing the royalty rate to drill on that land for the first time in a century from 12.5% to nearly 19%. That's, of course, more money for Uncle Sam, billions more. But it's not clear how that would actually impact gas prices. Oil producers, though, guys, do say it's going to make drilling more expensive. Well, listen, now is the time. Um, we, We can't have these gas prices that we have right now. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Folks, good afternoon. It's one twenty-six, and on this uh, Monday, and it is actually a delightful Monday, you're listening to the John DePietro Show on AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at our website, which is dePietro.com. And dePietro.com, which is brought to you by Caldwell Banker Realty, Pat Elston, based in Cumberland. 20 years experience, licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. There's a link to her. Uh, get a hold of Pat right on DePetro.com. She specializes in residential investment property sales, leasing services all of Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass. Now listen, right now at 127 on this Monday, if you're thinking of selling your home, piece of property or business, contact you want to go with a trusted pro, 20 years experience, Pat Elston, 401-474-5253. If you are looking to buy a new home or a business or a piece of property, any type of real estate in tr- transaction, folks, it's Pat Elston, 401 Now, the latest on the situation. In Ukraine, let's go back to, I think Richard Engel must be on vacation. This is, in fact, uh, the Today Show. As the day goes on. This morning, four missiles hit the western Ukrainian city of Lviv, a city that so far has been largely spared from the fighting. NBC's Ali Aruzi was doing an interview in Lviv when the strike hit. That wasn't a plane, it was a cruise missile. The attacks killed at least six and injured many more, according to the city's mayor. Thick smoke rising near an apartment block. Meanwhile, today, in the east of Ukraine, Mariupol's defenders remain defiant. Thousands of Ukrainian soldiers still holding out in a steel factory. Russia's military claims it controls most of the city's center, which couldn't be confirmed. But if the city does finally fall, Ukraine's president warned of major consequences. The destruction of our guys in Mariupol can put an end to any format of negotiations, he said. Russia's nearly two-month siege has trapped hundreds of thousands of civilians with little food, clean water, electricity, or medical care. 
Many have managed to flee, but the Russians have repeatedly attacked so-called humanitarian corridors, making escape almost as risky as remaining. Ilya is among those who fled a few weeks ago, but his mother refused to leave. He hasn't heard back from her since, though a neighbor has said she's still alive. But right now, um, I'm just thinking what she would be doing and if she was in my place, and I think that she will never give up. So I'm not giving up. But in the capital of Kiev, some hope over the Easter weekend. Once under siege, the main Russian target, its citizens are now reclaiming normal life. How has the city changed in just the last week or two? Several weeks ago, it was like a ghost town because there are no people. It was uh, uh, no uh, supermarkets. But today, we have uh, uh, our city is becoming alive. Coming alive in a place where merely living is an act of defiance. And Nat, back to those new strikes we've learned about in Lviv, where there had been relatively little fighting, considered something of a safe haven. Does this signal a change in strategy? Yeah, so Vanna, it's been weeks since the Russians withdrew from northern Ukraine, and it seems like they're still hitting military production facilities and transport hubs, like in Lviv this morning. It seems like they're trying to keep Russian personnel or Ukrainian personnel and weapons from reaching that new front line in the country's east. But Savannah, there's a psychological element to this as well. It seems like they're trying to signal to the Ukrainian civilians that no place is safe, no matter how far from the front lines. You know, this is, folks, a matter of something needs to be done. Something needs to be done. Uh, I received, um, someone sent me a story over the weekend of Shanghai police. We're going to have war with the USA. I mean, think of that. We're going to have, that's Shanghai. We're going to have war with the USA. Um, Eli Sherman tweets out another multi million dollar development project running into problems. This was the new $39 million Hotel Hive downtown redevelopment project is not going to meet the deadline in its city tax agreement, may not include a hotel at all. Oh, that must that, and that's right in uh, Providence Hotel Hive, and that's Providence Business News. The developer planning to turn the former Providence Journal building, oh, okay, into a boutique hotel with retail and loft departments will not meet the occupancy deadline in his tax deal with the city. Now, this is the I missed out on thirty-nine million dollar Hotel Hive. It's inevitable they'll need an extension on the agreement. Um, Let's see. Hotels right now are a dirty word in the world of financing. Well, you know, again, that's 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 if that's not going to happen, then folks, this whole thing, as I've said, with the Superman building or the 111 Westminster is what it is, is. I, I, I just, it, 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 it's not a good deal. It's not a good deal for taxpayers. It is not. Who's it a good deal for? The developer? The developer who bought that building paid too much and now is looking nine years later now 
still looking for the state of Rhode Island and the city of Providence to bail them out. But they should not bail them out. There's no reason for it. Um, They made a very poor investment. High rock development. Think of that. If they, they decided to buy that building for $33 million. If they had taken that $33 million and if they had bought some property in Newport or in Watch Hill or for Narragansett for that matter, would have been a completely different deal. But that's, that's not where they made the investment. They wanted to do it in Providence. Now, it, it probably is the fact that, as I've said in the past, they thought they had some kind of a deal. They thought they had some kind of a deal with Gordon Fox. But, and that did not play out that way. Um, and now they're, but, but as far as, as far as that we have to bail them out, I just don't go along with that. No, this is interesting. Russian TV broadcasts captured British soldiers demanding release. Maripol and Brink as fighters defend surrender demands. Leave sees first casualties amid strikes. Um, that is the Western city. Lethal darts fired in a neighborhood by the thousands. Warship sinking raises tense questions about the fate of the crew. Mystery as dead captain as survivors parade. I don't know what to make of that. Orthodox leader backs war, divides the faith. Concerns in Taiwan over fragile internet links. No question. Putin demands Russia gain control of Jerusalem church. How about the Russian nuke bomber buzzed Ukraine? That doesn't sound good. What is this in Montana, the nuke next door? The nuclear missile next door. Uh, in Montana, Ed Butcher tied up his horse, kicked mud off his cowboy boots, walked to his house for dinner, working on the ranch for most of the day, miles away for cell phone. What did I miss? What part of the world is falling apart? Um... Just why do they mention um, Homestead 13, blah, blah, blah. This is like the guy from uh, Yellowstone. Okay, so Ed turned off the TV. His family had been in the land, grand, grandfather. Um, looked over a hill where, oh, he looked over a hill towards the west end of his ranch where an active U.S. government nuclear missile was buried just beneath the cow pasture. <laughs> the missile was called the Minuteman 3, and the light launch site has been on the property since the Cold War. The Air Force paid $150 for one acre of the land and has installed an arsenal of nuclear weapons across the rural west. 400 of those missiles remain active. And ready to launch at a few seconds notice in Montana, Wyoming, North Dakota, Colorado, and Nebraska. They're located on bison preserves and Indian reservations. 
They sit across from a national forest behind a rodeo grandstand. This is like in the movie um, The Day After Tomorrow when everyone watches as um, that. And I've, I've mentioned that. That was that EBC film that was certainly frightening. Let me say there's Russian moments. Moment Putin's nuclear bomb flies close to Ukraine border. Major war escalation. So they have a, a nuclear bomber. And they were able to pick it out. It's a TU-160 nuclear bomber seen today in the skies over western Russia. Accompanied by four Russian fighter jets and a refueling plane. So it's been riding around. April 16th was over Belarus. April 18th, another part of Russia. Video caught four aircraft, one used to carry nuclear bombs between Moscow and the Ukrainian border. The defense ministry in Moscow had not announced the purpose of the mission. Wow. Well, latest attacks by Russians have concentrated major cities, Kiev and Lviv, which is in the western part. Uh, the super loud Tu-95 is the only propelled power strategic bomber still in operation today. And the plane first flew 70 years ago. More footage emerged showing a mission on Saturday over the western region of Russia. See, this is where he is at. Folks, good afternoon at 138. I mean, how, how much longer um, is the is the the world going to allow what Putin is doing in holding in holding basically the the world hostage. Hey, this is interesting. Americans moved to Portugal in droves. Huh. Want to retire in Portugal? Here's what you need to know. The retirees are drawn by a low cost of living, health care, sunny climate, tax incentives. Portugal. Hmm. Um, that is very interesting. Um, folks, the, also the, the situation, and again, good afternoon at one thirty nine. The situation right now, um, if you've seen any of the footage of the lockdown, I mean, that's, the lockdown going on right now in Shanghai, that's really, really bad. So, but I'm glad to see this business that, you know, the fact that we're about to hand out or they they want to hand out, I'm not convinced it's going to happen. But the fact that they want to do that and they can't even get. Well, this is different. Breaking. Federal judge voids the travel-related mask mandate. Hmm. Ukraine Marine Commander tells Pope Maripol is what hell on earth looks like. The, the, the Russians have completely, absolutely decimated Maripol. Absolutely just decimated Maripol. Bombed it into oblivion on purpose. Um, the mayor of police, of the uh, mayor of New York City, 
was on this week yesterday with Stephanopoulos talking about the situation with crime. And I, I just think he, he's a real disappointment. He tries to say that it's a it's a national issue. This is the mayor of New York City yesterday, Stephanopoulos. Have continued to rise on your watch. How do you explain it? What more can be done? A national problem. Uh, you know, I say over and over again, there are many rivers that feed uh, the sea of violence. Uh, this is a national issue. It's not a red state, blue state. In fact, red states uh, experience a higher murder, murder rate uh, than uh, blue states. Uh, Tulsa is three times the murder rate of Los Angeles. Mississippi, K- Kentucky, Louisiana, uh, those are the highest murder rates in our entire country. Uh, I think the president has done an amazing job, but you've heard the narrative beforehand about defunding the police. Let me tell you what the defunders of police are. Those are those who did not vote on the Build Back Better bill. Money was in that bill for uh, police officers. We have 2,400 ATF agents in our country. Only 80 80 are in New York. We need to double that amount. We need to go after the ghost guns. We need to put a head to ATF in place, put in place a real gun tracing program, and then we have to be preventive. Uh, Many of these generational social problems have become the pipeline to violence, and the only thing that is beating that pipeline is the pipeline of guns that are coming in our inner cities. Big cities are hurting all across America. We're going to do our job. We took 1,800 guns off the street uh, this year, uh, and we know that they continue to flow into our cities all across America. Listen, the fact that he is such a disappointment, that is New York City Mayor Eric Adams. The fact that that bumbling idiot was able to cause the havoc in New York last week and shoot those people and then had explosives and there was no working camera and there were no police at the the subway station um you know he wasn't a high sophisticated terrorist with a lot of money behind him he's a total nutcase who they locked up and will now probably spend the rest of his life in jail and you know i actually saw someone say what happened to that story how come we're not hearing about him because there's no new element of the story they caught him he's locked up i i just don't what i don't understand how what what people want to hear about that like what does that mean what happened to that story there's nothing more to the story what, what, what do you mean, what happened to that story? There's nothing new with the story. What what new information do you want to hear about the story? I, I don't know what to... I don't know what that... You know, we, what does that mean? What do you mean, where is... How come we're not hearing more about that story? What more do you want to hear about it? He was a nutcase. They caught him. And now he's, you know, probably going to be, rightfully so, spend the, spend the rest of his life in prison where he belongs. So I, I don't know what, like, people, oh, how come, how come the media is no longer talking about that story? Because there's nothing to report on. 
I, I just don't understand the these people like see things that aren't even there. Where did I see that? Um, let's see. Somebody posted that. I I just miss like oh oh suddenly the media's not talking about the shooting and well. There's no, they're not talking about it because there's nothing new to report on it. Whatever happened to the Brooklyn subway shooter? Anyone heard? Well, they they caught the the the, the shooter. The media won't report on it. Well, it led the news. I I don't understand what what they're talking about. There's really nothing more to report on. And I'm not a defender of the media. I just don't understand. These people just, like, make stuff up. Oh, you want to keep hearing about it? What What do you want to hear about it? <clears throat> I don't know where that goes. Um... I, again, I'm not going to belabor it, folks. Right now, it's 1.46 on this Monday. I recognize that a lot of people don't trust the media, but it's not like they didn't report on it. They would like to talk about it. That was a huge event in New York City. It was covered extensively. It was on the front page of every newspaper. It led every newscast. They went you know, commercial-free. How much news do you want it to keep being on that? There's there's nothing more to report on that story. Folks, this portion of our program is watched by the Lodge Pub and Eatery. Right now it's 147 on this Monday. And they're open. Lunch, dinner, drinks in the lounge, sit out on the nice deck. The Lodge Pub and Eatery, 40 Breakneck Hill Road in Lincoln. Well... A couple of things. Um, Number one, we'll wait to see what, if any, press events Governor McKee has this week. Um, The the fact that I, I think he, right now, Governor McKee still seems unable to, you know, do a full sit down interview. He certainly does not want to get on the debate stage. Governor McKee, Rhode Island Governor Dan McKee does not want to get step on to a debate stage. And I'm just not sure um, how he they, they're going to try to do some interviews, but they're going to demand that that it's all I would think that it's all um, somewhat safe. Safe territory. Now I'm looking at some headlines. The Red Sox catcher, two staff members test positive for COVID. <laughs> so this is still not going away. Um, I also just saw Evans Chebet wins the men's elite race with the Boston Marathon. This other woman won it. Twenty-year-old <clears throat> Henry Richard, older brother of Martin Martin Richard, ran. In the Boston Marathon. Hmm. That poor little boy. Yeah. 
You know, it's um, it'll be 10 years next year. The oldest brother, Marjorie Richard, is running the Boston Marathon today. He and his father said he believes he'll be watching. Martin will be watching his 20-year-old sibling as the family gathers at the finish line to cheer him on. We always feel him. Martin was eight years old and was killed in the 2013 Boston Marathon explosion near the finish line. Hmm. Martin Richards would have turned 18 this June. The brothers enrolled at Peace University. A poor little boy. Boy. You know, as much as... um, and especially for younger people, you want them to enjoy it. It's it's hard to to ignore that the marathon will always have that kind of over it a little bit. Um, I don't I don't think there's anything they can, they can do about it, but it'll it'll always just kind of carry that a little bit. Governor McKee is slightly more popular than President Biden in Rhode Island. Now, I also want to touch on folks. And again, good afternoon. It's 1.50 on this Monday. Jessica De La Cruz drops out of Rhode Island congressional race and endorses Alan Fung. I, um, I, I, I am anxious to talk to former Rep. Bob Lancia to hear how he's going to be successful in the race. My fear is he doesn't have a plan how he's going to be successful in the race. My fear is he ran last year. He's been running for a year. He now almost feels he cannot, like, oh, I can't leave the race because I've already announced I was, you know, that I was running. Um, Again, he he has every right to run. I'm sure he's disappointed that that not only did Congressman Langevin announce that he's not seeking re-election, but then other people now have jumped into the race. But you, you can't ignore the people that are running. I also think I'm anxious to see when or if the local media starts to starts to question. The reps in CD2 on immigration because of the Biden plan. And also, Congressman David Cicilline gets a pass in that regard. So I'm anxious to see that as well. If, in fact, they start to question. I mentioned the interview I heard with Jessica De La Cruz. And there were a lot, I thought, for the short amount of time it was... There were a lot of questions about President Trump, about the 2020 election, what they call the big lie. There were questions about abortion. There was nothing about Biden. There was nothing about lack of representation in uh, Washington for for anyone from Rhode Island. The only ones that seemingly really get represented are not only Democrats, but progressive Democrats. Uh, um, 
I just, I, I don't hear it in the questions. Now, I don't know. I think there's several things with State Senator Jessica De La Cruz deciding not to run. Number one, you can't ignore that Cranston Mayor Alan Fung, former Cranston Mayor Alan Fung, came out of the box with some very strong fundraising numbers. Immediately, boom, there's half a million. Number two, he's he's been successful. He won three times in Cranston, which makes up a big part of this. I don't know how much. I think also the prospect of having to, listen, having to move would be a lot. And having to move in a hurry and find a house. And this is right now, as many, you know, know, a short, very tight housing market. Um, so I, I think it would be tough for her. But what I think the good news for State Senator Jessica De La Cruz, and again, folks, good afternoon at 154. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's AM 1380 and 99.9 FM. I think something that's positive for her is, as I've said, I believe that this is the last time that Congressman Cicilline, that he's seeking office. I think he's going through the motions on this election. Someone asked me, has that been announced yet? Well, not until he gets elected and then sometime and probably announce it sometime in late 23 or early 24. Um, but but that could be work out very well for her, as a matter of fact. Now, some other headlines. Seven killed in Russian missile strike on Liv. Attack on the western Ukrainian city. Common destination Ukrainians flying was a reminder Russia's long-range weapons remain a threat. You know, folks, they uh, they just continue to open fire. They don't care who they they don't care who they take out, who they kill. Um, it, it it's difficult when and no matter what is said, no matter what is said, all they do is say it wasn't us. Oh, we didn't do that. Oh no, no, that's fake. That's that's a lie. No, I didn't. No, that wasn't us. No, we didn't do that. No, they're lying about that. I mean, how do you? You can't accomplish anything with someone like that. <clears throat> I want to once again at uh, one fifty five encourage you, folks, visit the website, and they're terrific. It's jsappliance.com. Jay's Broadway Appliance and TV. You can call them at 401-949-7800. And what do they have? Well, cooking, electronics, grilling, dishwashers, laundry, refrigeration, parts, kitchen package, bondage deal, bundle. Located 47 Cedar Swamp Road, Route 5 in Smithfield. Stop it and see them. And they have a great selection on grills. A fantastic selection on grills. Gas grills, charcoal, electric, pro-style, pellet grills, accessories. They have it all. And this is the time of year. I love grilling out. Right now it's 156 on this Monday. April, one May, June, July, August, September, October, November. The next eight months, I just love grilling out whether and they have gas grills professional grills they still have the charcoal grills 
even a pellet grill. The electric grills are great. All the grilling accessories, Weber, Traeger, Napoleon, Coyote, Genesis. Stop in. How's your grill? Why not get a new grill? Makes a great gift as well. Jay's Broadway Appliance and TV, 47 Cedar Swamp Road, Route 5, Smithfield. And remember, you're dealing directly with the owner. You're dealing with, you know, this isn't of, it it is difficult right now as far as different businesses trying to find proper help. And so, therefore, many times people, I like to deal in person with someone. Maybe you're like me. I like to drive to the store. You can walk in the store. It's not online. It's not over the phone. Deal directly with the owner. Right now on this Monday, drive over to Jay's Broadway Appliance and TV, 47 Cedar Swamp Road, Route 5, Smithfield. And at the very least, check out their selection on grills. But as far as cooking, you know, range and cooktops... Wall ovens, range hoods, microwaves, they have it all. As far as electronics, it's great quality. What I also like, as I said, whether it's televisions, LCD, LED, home theater, home video, amps, headphones, radios. What a selection on refrigerators. By the way, what a selection on refrigerator. Bottom freezer, top freezer, French door, side by side. They have the chest freezer, the ice makers. They also have, and it's beautiful as far as to store your wine. Folks, they have it all. Local business, Jay's Broadway Appliance and TV. Stop in and see them. Drive there right now, 47 Cedar Swamp Road, Route 5 in Smithfield. And you deal directly with the owner. Well, folks, right now. It's 159. It's the John DePietro Show. Coming up, you're going to hear the 2 o'clock news. I anticipate we're going to do one after dark later on, bring you up to speed on everything. But a big week, big week ahead here on the program. Again, I'm glad it's nice weather for the marathon. It's nice weather for school vacation. I want you to stay tuned. We'll get an update with the 2 o'clock news, and then it'll be the John Dion program. We're back on the radio tomorrow at 11. Visit the website, though. Learn more about the uh, FBI probe of the governor. WNRI, Winsocket. W260DC. WNRI.